1: set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures
0: So we're in Joshua 11, and the chapter's leading up to it. It's been very bloody, very barbaric, I guess you'd say. They're going around conquering all the Canaanites that are living in the land. Israel has made it into their land, and they're going in wiping everybody out. Why would God have this established to wipe everybody out? Because they were sinful people who were never going to repent. They were against God, and they were in a land that was not theirs. And not only that, but back in Noah's day, there was called the uh, the called the curse of Canaan that Noah's one of Noah's sons disrespected him in the most ultimate way and uh, mocked him his leadership for it, and so a curse was pronounced over Canaan. It's called the curse of Canaan. You can look it up. It was right after the flood, and because of the curse of Canaan. The Israelites now come in, and since the Canaanites are under that curse, that's how they're so successful, coming in and taking over so easily, because that curse is in place to help facilitate Israel to come in. Now, Israel got cocky. They crossed over the Jordan. That was a tough deal, but they they come up to Jericho, and the walls fell down, and they were like, whoa, look at what we got here. The walls just fall down. Well, the next city of Ai, they got cocky. They got a little... Uh, full of themselves, and they paid for it with the lives of a bunch of guys because they did not consult with the Lord. That's the important thing. Always consult with the Lord before you do anything. Yeah, but my last victory was so easy, I'll just go right into the next one. You always consult with the Lord. So they they have now learned, consult with the Lord every time. And they had tremendous success from their mistake that they made at I when they paid for it in the defeat. Now they're conquering all the South and they have been going through the whole south, taking everybody out. The whole southland is all conquered. But now, in Joshua 11, <clears throat> the kings of the north hear about it. And so here we go. Joshua 11 and 1. And it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazor, heard these things that he sent to Joab, king of Maidan, to the king of Shimron, to the king of Akshef, I hope I said it right, and to the kings who were from the north in the mountains, in the plain south of Chin- Kinneroth, in the lowland, and in the heights of Dor on the west. By the way, Kenaroth is another name for Galilee, the Galilee area. So it talks about Kinneroth in the lowland, and in the heights of Dor on the west, to the Canaanites in the east and in the west, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite in the mountains, and the Hivite below Hermon in the land of Mizpah. So they went out, they and all their armies, with them as many people as the sand that is on the seashore in multitude, with very many horses and chariots. And when all these kings had met together, they came and camped together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel." wow, look at all these people that are coming against Israel. They think they can take Israel. They've heard these stories of defeat after defeat that, that all of the other Canaanites have experienced, all the other kings in the other lands. And for some reason, they think they got something on Israel that they can march in and take care of it. So this is like the biggest one yet, isn't it? But let's recall in the previous chapter, Joshua's conquering the whole south and he cut off all enemy advancement through the south area. And so these kings, where are they from? Let's observe. Verse 2, he already conquered the whole south. We're in Joshua 11, by the way. And uh, he conquered all the south. And so verse 2 says that they're from the north. The northern kings are afraid of what's happening in the south. You hear about this conquest going on in the south, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, we better do something. Uh, Quite frankly, I'm kind of with the Gibeonites. They said, "Uh uh-oh, we better do something and make an alliance with Israel instead of trying to attack them. But anyway, these kings, the northern kings, they called, uh, they sent a call to arms to everybody to come and fight against Israel. Now, there's a Jewish historian named Josephus. You may have heard of him. He was good at at, at the history of the day back then. He speculated that this new northern alliance that they're contending with now consisted of 300,000 soldiers, maybe, give or take. 10,000 cavalry troops, 20,000 chariots. This is by far the biggest force that Israel has ever encountered yet. You know, leading up to this, they encountered Jericho and Ai and all these places. We're like, wow, how are they going to take that? Okay, well, now you got the whole north together. (laughs) This is big. Ever noticed how your trials sometimes seem to get bigger and bigger as you go? And you thought that last one was bad? Now look at the one you got coming. You ever been there? Keep a parallel eye on this here, okay? Because the the trials they're dealing with are stepping up. Biggest they've faced yet. The odds of winning are pretty much not in Israel's favor, except the fact that God is in the fight with them. God fights for Israel. You know, this makes me think of one thing. When I look at my trials and my problems, and I look at how the odds are against me, And I'm probably not going to make it. And everybody says, it doesn't look good for you. So what? You've got the Lord God with you. Go into that battle with him. And who cares what the numbers look like, what the stats look like. Because remember, God gave Joshua a promise. When God gives you a promise, you've really got something in your favor there. You know, God has promised to make us conquerors, did he not? He gave him a promise. And Joshua passed that promise down to his men by the, the last group of kings that led an alliance against them. He had them step on the king's necks. They, they got their armies, but they stepped on the king's necks. They killed them and threw them back in the hole they were hiding in and covered them up and said, this is what your victory is supposed to look like. You should have your enemy under submission step on its neck. This is what, it, what victory looks like. And so we need to remember that when we, as believers of Jesus Christ, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We already have the victory won. So it's not like you have to go and achieve a new one. So he's trying to, he's trying to remember, Joshua's remembering the promise that God gave him that, that all the enemies against whom you fight, you can strike them and kill them. And that's what they did to this, these kings before, but now here comes these northern kings with the biggest force they have ever ever contended with and ever seen. When I read the stories like this, I try to throw myself in the, in, into the picture. I try to imagine I'm standing there with them, and I try to think of what are my options here. Okay, I'm in the army, and this is the biggest force we've. Yeah, we did Jericho, but it wasn't as big as this. I've got two choices: I can fear or I can fight. I can fear or I can fight. And that's what I want to call this message today is Joshua eleven, fear or fight. Because we are all confronted with this choice pretty much daily to fear or fight. And they're going to have to make the choice to fight, because that's the only way forward. And you know that's the way it is with our lives as well. Is sometimes we just have to make the clear cut choice to fight. Because if you fear, the enemy's going to have his way with you. You're going to be worse off than you were. So Joshua eleven six. God is reminding them, but the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid because of them for tomorrow about this time, I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. And I know some people are thinking, God said this, (laughs) God said this hundreds of thousands of people. You're even going to, you're going to, God said to kill them and hamstring the horses. But what I find interesting here also is how God gives Joshua a timeline to the victory. Do you see that? Timelines are important in the Bible when you see it. He gives them a timeline. He gives them a timeline. He says, by this time tomorrow, we've got to figure the Israelites just had a battle not too long ago that they took on a, a big force of people. And, and God says, don't stop until they're all done. Well, it started getting dark. The sun started going down. So... Joshua commanded the sun and moon to stand still, and it did. Now, I know a lot of people, they don't buy this sort of thing, but it happened. God's got power to do that. And the sun literally stopped and it stayed there a whole day just so that Israel could have enough daylight to finish the battle. (laughs) Okay, so here's the force that's even bigger. And I'm thinking, whew, I guess the sun and moon's going to have to stop again. You know, this is going to be bigger than the last thing we did. But God says, uh, this is going to be done by tomorrow. Did you see that? That means you're going to have more success in this battle than you had in the last one. <laughs> That's what I saw with this. And so Joshua might be thinking, gosh, if beating the South took longer than a day, what's this one going to be like? But God says, by this time tomorrow, they're all going to be dead. By, the, by this time tomorrow, they're all dead. I'd be thinking, if I was Joshua, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. It's nice to know you've got a timeline. It, guys, we're not going to have to be at this for two days. God's going to have, have this all done by tomorrow. But not only do you have to destroy all the men, but you also got to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots too. You know, hamstringing a horse means you cut a tendon in its leg so that it can't walk. I mean, I, I grew up on a ranch and dealing with one horse was tough enough. <laughs> I can only imagine if grandpa said, hey, I want you to go hamstring that horse. I'd probably be all day after one horse. Okay, but they have to hamstring all the horses, burn the chariots, defeat all the men. That's a lot of work. But God goes, guess what? You're going to be done with this by tomorrow. What? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, you've got big things on your horizon, I know, and they look huge. They're trying to scare, the trial's trying to scare you. And you've got a choice. Fear or fight. Fear or fight. And God gives you victory through Jesus Christ because Jesus already won the victory at the cross. Now, whatever you got com- got, have coming on your horizon, don't be so afraid of it that you back up from it. Because God may have a timeline that seems impossible for you to finish by. But if His hand is in it and you do it His way, it'll get done. Isn't that good? I hope that's encouraging to you. Because I need to hear things like this in the Bible. I need to see these kind of things. That you can do those things. You can do those trials. They're not too big. They're too big if you do it your way. But it's not too big if you do it God's way. Man, I'm just starting up. Watch out. This is exciting. You know, I tell people all the time, if the Bible does not excite you, you're not reading it. I mean, this is great. I'm glad to have this. So, according to God's timeline, this is all going to go down. And it's all going to go down fast. It's going to go down fast. This enemy has no idea what's coming, do they? No idea. There's a flip side of every coin. I always say that the coin of encouragement has a flip side to it. It's called warning. Here's the warning. If you are standing in opposition to God, everything might be all right right now. It might be okay right now. But if you don't repent now, then be fully aware that God can take it all down. And when he does, it can all come down fast. You can have victory fast or you can have defeat fast. Depends on which side you stand on. So my encouragement to you is to get under the blood of Jesus Christ and trust in him with your trials. Trust in him with your problems. It can go one of two ways. Which way do you want it to go? Okay, trust in the Lord. He's got this. Right now is a good time to get right with Jesus, and you might feel secure right now. Oh, I I got everything pretty good. Ray, my 401k is good. My bank account's good. I got a good job. You know, hey, this enemy felt pretty secure in where they were standing too, didn't they? They're all about to go down today. Don't get secure in your in your physical material armor and your your things and your chariots and your horses and all the things these guys have got doesn't mean anything when it comes to God. These kings are going to go down. And when God's wrath comes sweeping f- through and He's taking everybody down that stands against Him, you're going to want to be repentant before Him before He shows up. Before, that means right now. Before the judgment comes through. You don't wait to see God's judgment coming and go, oh, I better repent now. It's probably going to be too late. By the time you recognize it, it's going to be too late. It's the best time is to get right Now, get under the blood of Jesus while you can before God's judgment comes. Because you see, this this people that are being taken over by Israel, God's judgment on them is Israel. Because God is taking them with Israel. Joshua 11 and 7. So Joshua and all the people of war with him came against them suddenly by the waters of Merim, and they attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who defeated them and chased them to greater Sidon, to the brook Misrepoth and to the valley of Mizpah eastward. And they attacked them until they left none of them standing. Did they attack until they left some of them standing? Did some get away? What did God promise them? None of them. And it confirms that until none of them were remaining. So Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. So there you go. They did it by the time God said they'd do it. By that day, it's done. It's over with. <laughs> I'd be like, wow, look what just went down. The biggest force we ever faced, and it's already over. You remember that time we went to Jericho? <laughs> you remember that time we went to the city of Vi and we lost 36 guys over it? Well, did we lose a single one today? No. Did, they, did anybody get spared of their side today? No, we got them all. We humstrung their horses too, huh? Yeah. And I done burned the chariots. It's all over with. Bam, big trial over. I just want to encourage you with that. Again, there's something big in the room on somebody and you are scared to death of it. It is scaring you to death. You need to look at it from the standpoint of victory in Christ and do it His way. It is not as big as it seems. It's just trying to scare you out of your faith. So they did it that day. They took on a a bigger force in a shorter period of time than what the last one took. Now, I think this shows a spike in improvement in Israel's strength and in Israel's confidence. Israel had to get worked up. God didn't put them to the big northern kings first. He had them cross the the Jordan first, then he had them go to Jericho, then he had them go to Ai, then he had them go to this city, and that city, and that city, then a little group of people, and then a bigger group of people, now the northern kings. He didn't have them go to the northern kings first. What I'm saying is, your trial that you're in is building you, it's strengthening you, and making you stronger for the next one coming. And if you look at that trial coming and go, no, no, I can't and you try to run away from it, then the bigger one behind it is going to run you over. You know, I go to the gym when I can, when I'm not getting over knee surgery and stuff, and I work out. And then later I work out with heavier weights, and then heavier weights. Guys, you've seen this. You go to the gym and this guy comes in, he's holding his arms out like this, like he's super strong, and he tries to like bench the whole rack or something, and and you know he hurt himself because he doesn't stay at it very long. You're like, oh, you faker, come on. Poser, <laughs> he's not really—he's not really there. But you guys that know how to work out, they start and they work up a little at a time, and that increases their strength. Well, your trials are designed to refine you; they will refine you. And, and you see these guys out there doing these incredible things in the name of Jesus. And you're like, wow, I wish I could be him. Really? You really wish you could be him? Are you willing to go through the trials they went through to get to that point? Because they didn't just step in there and oh, here I am. It was a progression. And so face your next, your next trial with confidence because you have a promise of God that you're a conqueror. But they're fighting like never before here because they have confidence. They have complete trust in their God. And this is a picture of what could be you also. Trust in your God. Don't just refer to Him on Sunday morning. Oh, it's the thing to do Sundays, you know, go to church. God should be part of your everyday, daily life. Even and especially for the big stuff, the hard stuff, have you really turned over your trials to God? Because I'm telling you, when you turn your trials over to God, it makes no common sense to do so. People will say, what? You're in this big situation, and you made a choice to do this? That makes no sense. They'll tell you it don't make sense. Well, I've turned it all over to God. I, I had people ask me before, you're going to Bible college? Really? What can you do with that? And I know in their mind, they're thinking, how much money can you make off of that? I'm like, probably can't make any money off of it. And then it come to the time when I quit my job, my career in radio to go uh, be full time. And people said, well, are you running in a mega church? Are you going to make lots of money? No. Matter of fact, I'm probably going to lose 90% of my income stepping down from my career into ministry. Well, that don't make sense. Well, of course it doesn't not to the worldly sense, but it makes all the godly sense in the world. Because here we all are, and I'm glad to be here, aren't you? You know, there's some there's some choices you got to make, fear or fight, which is it going to be? But they're, they're fighting in confidence. And I'm trying to learn the same thing myself, to fight in confidence, completely trust God. I had to completely trust God to move into ministry. And this could be a picture of us. You're going through that huge trial, but there could be bigger trials on the horizon. You know, If you want to do great things to glorify God, then know that a lot of it is going to be done through trial. Everybody says, I want to glorify God. That's going to be done through trial. Your trials are an opportunity to glorify God because people are going to see this massive wave of problems whoosh over you and you're going to come through it strong. And they're going to ask, how did you do that? And you tell them, I stood firm in my faith with my God. And that's an opportunity to share the gospel. You've got to think, think about it. Jesus glorified God through His crucifixion. That wasn't easy, but that's how it is. So don't let your life be plateaued out to where you're just coasting, where that same old trial holds the same ownership over you day after day. That same old trial still owns you year after year after year. shouldn't be like that because a trial that holds you that holds you stagnant will keep you from moving forward. If that present trial can own you enough to keep you stationary, then the next bigger trial ahead is going to knock you clean out. Don't let it have you. Fear or fight, I choose to fight in the name of Jesus Christ. Trials will will always hit us, but I think Romans 8 sums it up well. Romans 8 and 36 says, As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. Sounds like a trial to me. We are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You want to be a conqueror? You want to glorify God? Well, you need to welcome the trial and say, all right, let's go. And it could be a health issue. I've got some health issues that there's no known cure for. Don't worry, you can't catch it. (laughs) But hey, I'm still here. I'm still doing what I do. I've got back trouble, I've got this, I've got all these things, but I'm standing at the pulpit. If it comes to the point I've got to sit down, I'll do it sitting down. But guys, I'm not going to let my, uh, my trials own me to where I'm not fighting. I'm just getting a lot of good examples out of Israel here. They're not laying down. I mean, this nation was founded by men who would not lay down. They fought. They didn't fear. Israel is facing incredible trouble, but they're more than conquerors through the Lord, and so should we. You know, this isn't just a wonderful story about Israel. This is about you too. The reason this is written and still written is so you can read it and go, hey, I can do that. So Joshua 11 is very illustrative and it's very inspiring on how we should be as conquerors in Jesus Christ. I'm glad of this. Joshua 11 and 10. Joshua turned back at that time and took Hazer. And struck its king with the sword, for Hazor was formerly the head of all those kingdoms. <laughs> if that's not guts. Verse 11 And they struck all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was none left breathing. Then he burned Hazor with fire. So all the cities of those kings and all their kings Joshua took and struck with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded. But as for the cities that stood on their mounds, Israel burned none of them except Hazer only, which Joshua burned. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen, We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you through a line-by-line, verse-by-verse study in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless, you are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you, so that you can be set for life.
1: You'll be set for life.